welcome to On The Ledge Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Perrone, and this week we're going a little bit potty. It's episode 127, and in this show I'll be discussing the rights and wrongs of plastic pots, the difference between a cash pot and an inner pot, and I'll be talking to ceramicist Hannah Morrow about what makes a good pot. Plus, we meet listener Ash... And I answer a question about variegated monstera. Thanks to new patrons Ryan and Antonia this week who became ledge ends and thus unlocked lots of extra content in the form of my bonus podcast, An Extra Leaf. Well done, you guys. And if you want to find out more about how to support the show financially and in other ways, do check out the show notes at janeperone.com. Thanks for all your feedback on the bonus episode interviewing Nicola Spence about plant passports. It seems like lots of people are still getting to grips with this new set of regulations here in the UK and the rest of Europe. And it's something that's going to take a while to shake down fully. I did hear from people who are giving up growing houseplants for sale who on a hobbyist scale just because they're worried that this is going to add too much expense and hassle to what they've been doing. And also from people who are still not sure whether the regulations affect them, including somebody who was trying to take bonsai to a show outside the UK. So there's obviously lots of ground still to be covered on this one. So if you're not sure whether you come under the plant passports regulation and you are in the UK or Europe, I do recommend getting in touch with your local slash national body who's dealing with this and asking the questions because everybody's situation is different. We've had a real flood of people getting in touch wanting to take part in Meet the Listener, which is absolutely great. If you've already heard back from myself or from Kelly with instructions on how to take part or sent us your audio, then thank you. We'll be in touch soon, letting you know when that will run. As I say, we've got a bit of a backlog now, so it may be a few weeks, but we'll try to keep you posted. And it's just lovely to hear all your voices because I'm so used to the sound of my own voice that it's great to hear yours. And today we have listener Ash from Connecticut in the US. Over to you, Ash. My name's Ash Pierce and I'm calling from Middletown, Connecticut in the northeastern United States. I have over 50 plant species growing in my little apartment with four windows. I'm also a perennial grower at my local nursery and I have a degree in horticulture. So I just really love plants. Question one. There's a fire and all your plants are about to burn. Which one do you grab as you escape? If I had to choose just one plant, it would probably be my Persea Americana Day, which is a dwarf grafted avocado. Um, we got it as a wedding gift three years ago, and it takes three to five years to start producing fruit, so I'd really hate to have to wait that long again. Question two. What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge? actually a member of my local African Violet Society and I've got maybe 20 varieties of Gisneriot so my favorite episode would probably have to be episode 88 which is all about African Violets. Question three, which Latin name do you say to impress people? Uh, Botanical Latin is really fun for me actually and everything we talk about at work has to be by the Latin name. We don't use common names at all. Um, I really like Liriodendron tulipifera, which is the tulip poplar or tulip tree. 
or um, Gladitsia trichanthos variety enormous is your common thornless honey locust. Question four, crassulation, acid metabolism, or gutation? I love gutation. I love gutation. Not only is the science behind it really cool, the leaves always look so pretty when they're covered in tiny water drops. It's especially really cool on um, strawberry plants. That's really fun. Question five. Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monstera or £200 on 20 interesting cacti? I would rather have 20 new interesting cacti for 200 um, I especially really like the epiphytic cacti and I would really like some more epiphyllum, um, rhipsalis maybe, um, and definitely some more Christmas cactus for my collection. So some unusual cacti would be so much more fun than one expensive plant. Thanks to Ash, and if you have a burning desire to be featured on On The Ledge, do get in touch. We're particularly interested in hearing from people who are from places we haven't yet featured in this slot. And now it's time for some pot chat. Yes, we're talking about containers today, not any other kind of pot that you may be thinking of. Let's start from the outside in and talk about cash pots first. Now, what exactly is a cash pot? Well, it's a fancy French term for what we might call a container or a planter, a double pot or an outer pot. As the name suggests, cash means a sort of a hidden supply. So it's a cover for a less attractive pot that's actually containing the plant and its root ball. And the beauty of the cash pot is that you can switch them around as much as you like without having to do any repotting. Usually by their nature, they don't have drainage holes in them. I have seen a couple of videos going around on the net of people making holes in cash pots using uh, a bowl of water and a cloth and a screwdriver and a hammer where they basically invert the pot, put the cloth inside it, put it inside under the water in the bucket and then smack the screwdriver with a hammer and make a hole. Uh, this, I'm sure this does work. It seems to work from looking at the video. It's an alternative to getting one of those special ceramic drill bits and doing it with a drill. What's worth remembering about this is you will need to make more than one hole in the bottom of the pot because one teeny hole is not going to be enough drainage for most plants. It is a way though of using a cash pot as a single pot. You will have to add a saucer obviously but it's an option if you don't like the, the cash pot in a pot combination. One of the problems with putting a plastic in a pot inside a cash pot is it literally does hide things. In other words, you might get a little bit lazy with watering, and I am certainly guilty as charged when it comes to this. You sprinkle a bit of water on the top and it comes out the bottom and you think, I'll come back in half an hour and empty that out. Do you come back? Maybe? Hopefully? Yeah, sometimes you forget. And the water gets left at the bottom of the pot, which, as we know, is a recipe for the roots rotting. One little tip way round this, I tend to put at the bottom of my cash pots a layer, depending on the size of the pot, anything from a centimetre to five centimetres deep, of either grit or gravel or pebbles or ideally expanded clay pebbles known 
well they're sold under the brand name Hydraulica here in the UK and the beauty of these is they're very lightweight so it doesn't really add to the weight of your pot uh, but whatever you use the water goes into that layer and generally the inner pot is held above the water level so you don't have this issue can also work as a little mini pebble tray and increase humidity around the plant the only thing to watch then is if your cash pot is not fully waterproof and you've got it on a piece of wooden furniture you may find that there's a mark that goes onto the wooden furniture from the damp pot i put a cork mat underneath most of my cash pots to avoid this problem uh, you can buy them cheaply online or buy packs from ikea so cash pots are lovely things what are not so lovely, although admittedly very useful, are the plastic pots that most of our houseplants come in when we buy them at the garden centre. We're all getting really concerned about plastic in the environment, so what's the deal with these plastic pots? Well, the trouble is that most of them are black or dark colours, which the machines that scan our recycling at the recycling plant can't actually recognise as plastic so lots of these pots end up going straight into landfill rather than being recycled. Now in the long term obviously this, this is something that we're hoping that the plastic industry will sort out but then in the meantime what can you do? Well there are more companies selling taupe coloured pots, so pale brown colours which are easier for the scanners to pick up so they're worth looking out for. And the other thing you can do is just reuse those pots as often as you can. There really is no excuse to be buying brand new packs of plastic pots. They're easy to get hold of if you don't have enough. Just ask around on Freegal or Freecycle. Uh, and if you're trying to give some away, that's also a good place to uh, offer them because there are often community groups doing gardens or school gardening groups who will be looking for those pots. If you can't get rid of them that way, well, hang on to them, because if you're doing the on the ledge so along this spring, uh, you may need quite a few pots for potting on your plants as they grow. And it is handy to have a range of different sizes when you repot. The other issue with plastic recycling is that you really do need to clean your plastic recycling really thoroughly. Even if your local authority does collect and recycle plastic plant pots, if you leave them covered in soil, they will reject them. So they do need to be really clean in order to be recycled. So that's an extra job for you if you are going to recycle your pots. I do love terracotta and where possible, I do try to pot plants straight into terracotta. It works brilliantly for things like cacti and succulents that need that extra air around roots, things like hoyas as well. They just absolutely love a terracotta pot and it is more aesthetically pleasing. You do need to have a saucer underneath and beware that a lot of the saucers that you buy at the garden centre, terracotta saucers, are not actually waterproofed on the inside. If they don't have a glaze on the inside, then they are going to suck up water. And again, they're gonna mark your furniture. A waterproofing spray on the inside of that will avoid the water going through. I'll find a link to where I've bought that from in the past and put that in the show notes if you're interested in finding that out. I found over the years that often there are people who are clearing out their sheds who have terracotta pots that they're happy to sell me or give me and then I give a donation to charity. So that's a really good way of getting hold of terracotta pots. They are quite fragile, so you do find that you do lose quite a few to breaks and so on, but they are wonderful things to have. And they're very forgiving of people who tend to slosh too much water around. So definitely worth trying if you are not succeeding with plastic pots. And do seek out and support companies that are starting to sell pots in other ways, uh, either in terracotta pots that they've upcycled or recycled. 
And there's also a scheme called Posipots, which is coming in here in the UK, which is where garden centres at the point of sale, when you're at the till, they will take the plants out of their plastic pots and put them in a Posipot, which is a cardboard temporary pot, so that then when you get home, you can just pot your plant up. I'll put details of that in the show notes too. So do get asking your local plant supplier to think about plastic and hopefully with some consumer pressure, we can get some change moving in this area. There are a few pots made of other things available. I've tried a few of these. I've tried some pots made from coir fibre. Quite frankly, they were absolutely useless. They were just too porous and let in too much air and they dried out extremely quickly. But I'm interested to hear from anyone who for whom those have actually worked okay. Hacksnicks uh, are among one of the brands selling bamboo pots here in the UK. So these are free from plastics and BPA uh, and they're supposed to be compostable and biodegradable. They last about five years before they will start to fall apart. So that's definitely worth looking for if you can't find them. Such items are often quite slow to decompose in the compost heap, but I guess ultimately they will decompose a heck of a lot quicker than plastic, which will be with us for millennia. I've used bamboo pots and found them really, really good. It's mainly just a question of getting hold of them, which isn't always easy. It depends where you live and what shops you have near you. And they do seem to be available in most garden centres near me now. So hopefully the trend is spreading. If you've got any other insights or suggestions on sustainable pots for your plants, then do get in touch. I'm sure there are different things happening in the US to here in the UK. So I'd love to hear from you about what you're doing. So where do you pick up your cash pots? Well, I am a big proponent of checking out your local charity shop, thrift store, auction house, junk shop. These are great places to lay your hands on some really interesting pots. Yes, there will probably be some ones that aren't particularly to your taste, but there will also be lots of treasures to be found there for a reasonable price. The other thing I highly recommend is looking around for people who are creating pots. Uh, We might call them artisanal in this day and age. Uh, There are some amazing ceramicists working around the world creating beautiful pots that really will make a statement in your home. Hannah Morrow is a ceramicist living in LA. I spoke to her about the inspiration for her designs and how to pick a really good pot. My name is Hannah Morrow and I'm a ceramic designer. I'm originally from London, but I now live in Los Angeles. Tell me a bit about this collection of pots that you have made, uh, which I believe are inspired by a bit of bit of art. Just a backstory. I was designing and getting my um, ceramics made in England and I started um, to kind of want to make a game myself. And um, so I was in Paris um, seeing my mum and I went to see the Dave, David Hockney uh, retros- retrospective and was just so inspired by the California paintings, the pool paintings. And, um, you know, I've always loved them, but I've never actually seen them in real life. And when I came back, I um, I was kind of looking around the house and I have this uh, fiddle fig that I've had for ages. I actually found it in the in the rubbish and I've kind of rescued it. But anyway, it needed a pot and I thought, wow, I'd really like a pink pot. But I didn't really have anything, couldn't see anything that I really liked. And I thought, well, why don't I just kind of put the two together and, and make different colors? Um, and I think I, thing I like is I like really matte 
pots rather than the sort of the shiny uh, glazed ones. So um, I put together this um, this new collection. It took about two years to develop, and they're made from coloured clay. So that's a little bit different in twenty eight different colours. Wow, uh, you sometimes see on you know these kind of these ubiquitous social media channels all these things saying try making your own pots but i imagine when you actually get down to the graft of this to make a pot successfully that works successfully in every sense visually practically is probably harder than it looks what what are the characteristics of the ideal plant pot well for me i didn't want i love um terracotta pots but they do stain so um, one of the one of the challenges for me was coming up with a clay body that would be um, vitrified, which basically means it's it's sealed. Um, so that was a challenge because you know you can have a lovely color and then you'd live with it for a month and it'd have all these horrible stains. Mm. Um, so that and then I just I really like simple shapes. So um, just something that was really simple that you could use inside or outside. Um, yeah, and just um, I, to me, like it doesn't have to look a certain way. I, I really do believe that you should get what you love, and and you know don't feel judged on any level about what you like. But um, that those were the things that I was most looking for, like really strong colours, or like just colours that really um, you know were subtle but strong, and then just a really simple shape. Um, but then you know there were challenges in making it just it warped, and um, you know just just ceramic challenges like you said it, it was it's it's a little bit of work to go from from you know beginning to end but um you learn a lot so I, I learned a hell of a lot along the way I always find when I'm choosing pots that I find a really lovely pot that I love and then when I get it home and I try to put the inner pot that I that I with the plant in it um if I'm using it as a cash pot that the oftentimes the shape of those pots is wrong they're either too tall and narrow or they're sort of they're curved at the bottom so that the pot doesn't sit comfortably there seem to be so many challenges I mean I have a lot of pots sitting around unused just because they just don't suit the the pots the plants that I've got at the moment um and I'm always kind of digging around going I must have a pot that suits this plant oh no I don't um I mean what (laughs) I know why is it so hard I think you know what you think you know you think you know what's going to work and then when you get it home like you said you think oh that's it like I'll I'll go back and back I'm like a I like to mull my my purchases so I'll go back and back and then even then make the wrong decision so I think I think having a variety and and the thing that I wanted also with my pots was that, you know, you have different, you can kind of complement the color or clash with the color. So if you have a green pot, you could have a green um, plant, you know, or just if it has flowers. So I think it's, it is, it is, a, it's harder than you think. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Like I've made, I've made a lot of, well, I don't want to say mistakes because they always stay around, but um, it is hard to find the right, the right pot for the right plants. And how has your collection of pots gone down with people buying them? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting to me what the colours that people buy because you kind of get an insight into people's, you know, what they, their personality or just kind of what they're going for. And, you know, quite with my stuff, I found that a lot of people have bought multiples. So they'll buy like three yellows or like a blue and a red and a yellow or, you know, just different varieties and, you know, sort of different 
different colors, male, female. It's, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of amazed and, and really kind of impressed by people's color choices because I'm like, oh, I wouldn't put that together, but I actually really like it. Um, and then actually people, they come with or without a draining hole. And I've actually found quite a lot of people have bought them without the hole, which to me means they're probably using them maybe without a plant or they can use them for both if you're careful, I guess. Um, so it, it's, it's been really, really interesting and, uh, you know, sort of surprising in a good way. Uh, you, you said that you got your fiddle leaf fig out of the trash. I love these kind of stories where people find, I never find plants on the side of the road. Oh, really? I don't know why I, I'm missing out. Perhaps I don't live in the right kind of area. But tell me a little bit about uh, about you and houseplants. Are you a big houseplant grower or is this a new thing for you? You know, I have, uh, I feel like when I was a teenager, I went through the, you know, the, the uh, spider plant, kind of rubber plant, 70s mood, and then, you know, kind of moved into other stuff. And I've always loved houseplants. And, you know, obviously they're having like a big moment at the moment, which I, I think is great. Um, for me, I'm, I, to, to be honest with you, I'm always finding plants. I think maybe people throw a lot of stuff out in LA and um, I'm always finding plants that need rescuing. So I'll bring them in or even just like succulents that are being chucked out. And uh, I'm also also getting, um, you know, if you walk around, you can get a lot of little, um, you know, uh, cuttings and stuff. So I'm always taking a little cutting and then growing it. Um, I love the whole kind of, you know, sort of finding things for nothing kind of element to gardening. Um, so, yeah, I, I have I have a mixture and then I have other. I just actually bought a bonsai, which I'm very excited about, a, a little bonsai. And um, just, you know, different, the, I have a, a UFO plant and a prayer plant and, um, and then my, my found, my orphaned plants along with them. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Uh, I love the idea of, of being in LA and just being surrounded by amazing plants growing outside as well as inside plants that really certainly wouldn't be growing uh, outside here in the UK. Where are you selling your pots? Are they, are they being sold from your studio or are you selling them online? Yeah, I'm selling them online on my website, hforhannah.com. And uh, yeah, just I'm, I'm kind of keeping it, you know, just on my website for the moment because then just everything's kind of within my control. And, you know, the great thing about nowadays, it's so easy to do it and with, you know, Shopify and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the plan. And, and uh, yeah, just selling on my site. Now, you've been very diplomatic in saying that, you know, people, you respect people's choices. But come on, let's let's be honest. <laughs> there are some terrible pots out there. There are terrible pots out there. I mean, I'm thinking about pots that I own that, that I've been given or I just ended up with randomly. But I have some terror. I mean, I've got some terrible pots of, of like weird shapes and odd colours. I mean, what are the crimes against against pots that we can that we can mention here? I mean, I guess one crime is just being too boring. I mean, the what the white glazed yeah. pot is is so ubiquitous. The IKEA be. pot, I call it. Yeah, the IKEA pot, yeah, it's and I have many. Um it's such a cliche. I mean I guess in a way there's nothing wrong with that um, if it goes with your decor, but it just doesn't say anything really. No. I mean, to me, the, the biggest offense to me, like visually, is those kind of twiddly, those things with those sort of florally, florally sort of imprint. There are a lot of things that I, you know, I personally don't want. But, uh, but like I said, if you like it yourself, why not? And I think the weird thing is also a lot of the things that probably 10 years ago I'd have been really 
snobby about like the p- pots that my parents had the, mm-hmm. all the west the west german lava pots and all that and you sure you're as a as a ceramicist yeah. you're aware of that yeah i mean like now i'm looking at that and going wow i'm sure my parents threw out a heck of a lot of yeah. those about when they moved to canada because um i don't know where they are now but yeah they're worth loads of money and i'm thinking you know gosh i wouldn't have given you 50p for one of those i know ago. i know i know you... so our, our appreciation of certain styles has changed i think over the years yeah and i i think i find a lot of stuff secondhand or like they have a lot of yard sales here so i've had a lot of i've got a lot of terracotta pots and just nice pots from uh from you know secondhand and they they have kind of a story of their own which i really like um, so I, I like a mixture. I don't like everything too perfect. That's, um, you know, I think to me that's just more interesting. It's more of a more of a life lived. I, I should just explain these these uh, West German pots to anyone who hasn't uh, seen one. They're kind of they're often in kind of seventies shades of kind of orange and mm-hmm. brown and rusty red, aren't they? And they're kind of sort of bubbly and rough. Uh, sometimes they've got a kind of an ombre thing going on or a different patterns, but they're quite, uh, I don't know, well, you probably can explain these better than I can. Um, <laughs> What's a different type? Is a glaze that kind of, was like it's like a volcanic glaze, so it kind yeah. of has a sort of like volcanic kind of look to it a little bit. Yeah, they 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 seem to be they seem to be very very trendy now. So, yeah, uh, I know. There you go. I really wish I had all of those pots from the past uh, back in my possession, but there we go. That is that is fashion for you. The other thing, and I'm looking at one right now on my desk, which I think is a bit of a fashion crime. Oh yeah, and and I think is going to date very very badly. I've got quite a lot of these pots that are kind of like silver and kind of geometric oh like yeah kind of flat surfaces they're re- they were in for a while and yes yes one of the things that annoys me about them is they go in at the top yes which yeah. for me is a problem because any kind of overhanging lip it going in just makes it difficult to get the if you've got a pot within a pot it just makes it difficult to get access to the plant so yeah um, and it doesn't yeah. totally make sense as a design for a pot because then things can't grow out of it i don't know it's just just i don't if they did have a moment not that long ago actually um but maybe stick around like the lava pots maybe put it somewhere and then bring it back out again because it might come back well that's very true and i often think that i'll have a pot and i think i'm never going to use this because i'm never going to have the right shape plant and then i put it away in the shed and then two years later suddenly it's coming out again i think oh yeah i know i am making use of it actually so uh you know that if you've got the room to store these things, I think that's the crucial point. Yeah. Um, it's good to have a, a really good collection of, of pots uh, at your disposal. The other thing I love doing, I know we don't have quite so many yard sales here as you do, but charity shops or yeah, shop stores, as you course. call them, are brilliant. Um, so what else is going on on the LA houseplant scene? Is there any good houseplant shops or... I mean, they are everywhere. Everywhere I go now, there's a there's a houseplant shop. I mean, the sale obviously is, you know, here online is is massive. And then, you know, I, um, I live very close to an area called Highland Park. And there's a lot of small, um, you know, garden shops opening up. And I think people, you know, as you know, just have become really, really interested in houseplants. And I think my hope is that I feel like, you know, houseplants are the star and the pots are the co-stars. But I think that people are becoming much more interested in the pots now also. Uh, But I think here, like like England, I'm sure, it's just it's a real movement. And uh, people seem to really it's like, you know, everyone's stressed and looking for a kind of a bit of a 
some way to unwind. And I think plants kind of fills a hole somehow, you know, for people to sort of, uh, you know, kind of put their, put their, you know, just, just relax a little bit and enjoy the plants. Completely. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Hannah. And um, I'm delighted that your pots are doing so well because they're absolutely lovely. Thank Thank you you very much. Thanks, Jane. Thanks so much. And you'll find pictures of Hannah's pots in the show notes at janeperone.com. And do check out her website, h4hannah.com. And now it's time for question of the week, which comes from Camilla, who wanted help identifying which type of variegated monster she has. Looking at the picture of Camilla's plant. Oh, it's a tall one. It's it's growing on a moss pole, which I'd say is a good five foot tall, but it's gone up another two or three feet above that. So she's got quite a decently sized monstera here. And there is some variegation on some of the leaves. She sends me a separate photo of those variegated leaves. But the question is, which variegated monstera is it? And I'm sure this has been a question that's been troubling many of you as you search desperately for this plant at a non-crippling price. Both plants are still very much rarities on the houseplant market, but they are becoming more available as growers rush to try to get more of these plants onto the market. In other words, I wouldn't pay a massive amount now for either of these plants because the price is inevitably going to come down. So the two cultivars of Monstera that you're likely to come across. There are a few other really, really super rare ones, but the ones you're going to come across are either Thai Constellation, which I've mentioned many times in the show because I have some, or Albo Variegata. Now, I'm going to give you my understanding of the differences between these two plants based on my personal knowledge of growing Thai Constellation and the research I've done into Albo Variegata. If I've got anything wrong, then please shout at me and tell me what you know about these plants, because there is so much misinformation out there. But I'm going to do my best to tell you the differences between the two plants. So Thai Constellation to start with. I guess the real main distinction with this plant is that the variegation, the light parts of the leaves, are more of a creamy yellow colour than a pure white colour. So you're getting splashes, you're getting little stripes and striations. Some leaves turn out half green and half white, but there's always this sort of splashy element. I guess that's why the name Constellation was chosen. So that's really one of the big distinguishing features between that and Albo, the clues in the name there, Variegata, which has white and green variegation. So that's the first thing to look out for. Generally, with a tie, it's it's much more yellowy than with an Albo Variegata. Second, looking at Camilla's picture, one thing is clear. The growth habit of Albo Variegata is a bit different to the Thai constellation. And I think that is because Albo Variegata is the Borsigiana form of Monstera. In other words, it's more of a vining plant than Monstera deliciosa Thai constellation, which has very, very short internodes. So the space between the leaf joints on Thai constellation is incredibly small. I've posted on Instagram about this before. It makes it very hard to take any cuttings because there is literally no room between the separate leaves joining the stem to do so. Whereas on Albo variegata, because it's a Borsigiana type, the internodes are much, much bigger and therefore it's much, much easier to take a stem cutting and propagate the plant, which is why you're seeing so many 
Albo Verigat has been cut up and put online um, with with a single node cutting uh, because it's possible to do that with the style growing style of the plant. So uh, that's so look at the internodes. I would say if the internodes are really, really short and the variegation is yellowy, that looks like it would be a Thai constellation. If the internodes are longer and it's more of a vining style as opposed to a bushy style, then it's probably Albo Verigata. And Camilla, I would say your plant is Albo Verigata. Just looking at the style of it and the variegation, that seems to be what you have. So enjoy your plant. It's looking fantastic. Uh, it's going to hit the ceiling fairly soon, so you may need to chop it back. But maybe you could uh, make some money out of those cuttings. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks for your question, Camilla. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line on the ledge podcast at gmail.com. That's all for this week's show. If you're in the UK and within striking distance of London, Here's a date for your diaries. I'll be at the Future Flora event at the Ace Hotel in London on the 22nd of March. That's a Sunday. There's going to be lots of houseplant sellers there. Delights to be perused. And I will also be helping to judge the Houseplant of the Year competition. I've put details of that in the show notes and also on my Facebook page for On The Ledge. So do check it out. It'll be a fun day and I'd love to meet some listeners there. Remember, in winter, it's important to keep yourself well hydrated and your cacti dry. See you next week. Bye. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops, Flute and Drum Rishikesh by Samuel Corwin, Chiefs by Jazar, and Enthusiast by Tours, all licensed under Creative Commons. See my website, janeperone.com, for details. <laughs>